0: God's involvement in your life. This morning, uh, he teaches us about a way specifically and intricately that he involves himself in our lives, and he tells us why he involves himself in our lives that way. These next few weeks, we're going to be talking about unleashing the power within It's not a secret. We're talking about the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer, the Holy Spirit, the power, his power, his presence that indwells every believer. This morning, the message is not going to be about the Holy Spirit because I believe that there's some work that Jesus wants to do in our lives before we begin talking about how he wants to use us and the power that he makes available to us for his glory. I think about the day of Pentecost when the disciples were in that upper room and they were very, very fearful. They were fearful for their physical well-being. They were fearful for their lives. They were fearful about the future. They were a broken group of people. There was about 40 of them there. But they were prepared to receive the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit was presented to them. Most of those people had already experienced the teaching of Jesus that we will look at today when He talks about His love and His involvement in our lives. God loves you. I know, we say that all the time. But I think every individual in this room, at least to some degree, has a difficult time believing that God really loves you. It's important this morning that we ask Him to allow us to receive His love, to believe to believe that He loves us because His love for us must permeate this message. There are people in this room this morning who might think to themselves, and listen, it may be some kind of subconscious thing that's going on in your life, but there's a place where you're thinking, you know what? Uh, God can't really love me. Maybe you're thinking about an experience you've had in your past where where you have interpreted that experience as, I'm not worthy of love. I'm not worthy of acceptance. I'm not worthy of being used. You're... You're believing a deception. You're believing a lie when the truth is, and it is so plainly given to us that God loves you, and his love for you is unconditional, and there's no way that he can love you more than he loves you at this moment. There's no way he can love you less than he loves you at this moment, and his love for you, you're receiving that love and experiencing that love, has got to permeate this message. I know that we have this tendency to believe These deceptive, these lies of our enemy Satan. He whispers in our ear things that are just simply not true, but it has this incredible impact on our behavior and what we receive and what we experience. It happens in my life. It happens all of the time. There are things that he tells me that I, I believe them. I believe them more than the truth that Jesus gives me. And, and, it, and it has a, a, an influence on my behavior. I would tell you this morning that, that, that it has an influence on how I speak to you. When I believe the lies of Satan. Last week I said to you, church family, that we're not impacting our community for Christ. This year's no different than last year. Do you want me to tell you why I say that? Because I believe a lie from Satan. When he whispers into my ear, "Dale, you're you're teaching the words, not doing any good. Lives aren't being changed. It's not impacting this community. It's not impacting the people sitting in front of you." and i i began to believe that and it does this work in me that 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 i would stand in front of you and tell you that we're not impacting this community that's a lie and i shouldn't say that to you and i ask you to forgive me for saying something like that to you the truth of the matter is is that jesus says to me hey dale I will build my church. Jesus says to me, and what he says to me is truth. And he says to me, My word is truth. Preach the truth. My word, when it is preached, when it is taught, is never ineffective, it never returns void, it always has an impact. And then I begin to think and say, yes, Lord, you have revealed that to us. You have shown us that that's true. And I thank you for the 70 people from our church that showed up at a lady's house on Labor Day, a lady they didn't even know, and they, through blood, sweat, and tears, just wanted to be a blessing to her. And the 45 youth yesterday that went out to Edgewood Children's Home just to be a blessing to people. And I can look around this room and I don't have enough fingers or toes as I look in people's faces and I know that they are a people that are being used by God to be a blessing to people in this community every single day. And so I ask you what lie you might be believing this morning. I'm not worthy, I'm not acceptable, I'm not loved, I cannot be used. Jesus says none of that is true. You are loved. You're forgiven. You're clean. You're accepted. I want to grow in my relationship with you, and I want to use you. He desires, because he loves us, he desires that our lives be lives of significance and satisfaction. He teaches us in the scripture that we'll look at this morning, he says to us, he he teaches us, he he reveals to us, listen carefully, because every single one of us desire a life that that is significant and satisfying. Every one of us desire that and he basically tells us in this passage of scripture that we look like that that we look at this morning that the most significant and the most satisfying life is a life that is bearing fruit that's what he says and he shows us in this passage of scripture how God the Father lovingly lovingly involves himself in our lives to bring us to a place that is His best for us, a place where we are bearing fruit. He gives an illustration. He's saying to us that my kingdom is like a gigantic vineyard. And and in the vineyard, God says, I'm the vine dresser. I'm the gardener. I oversee it all. I'm responsible. I involve myself. And he says the vines, that's, that's God the Son. That's, that's Jesus. There's, there's power in His name. It's in Him that there is power. It's, it's Jesus that produces fruit in our lives. It's His Power, And He says to us today, all who are believers, all who count themselves one of His, He says, you're the branches. I oversee it all. God the Son is the power. He produces fruit and you are branches and you bear the fruit that He produces through you and in you. We are to bear fruit fruit. John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Jesus is speaking to the disciples. The last words that he says in John chapter 14 is, rise, let's go from here. They've been in the upper room and they have had a meal together. Frankly, it's during this time that Jesus has Introduce them to this idea that all that they're expecting is not going to happen right now. Their their hearts are broken. They're afraid. They don't know exactly what's about to occur. But the moment that they were in that room and and they were celebrating because the kingdom was coming and they were talking about who was going to serve where and who was going to have what position, it was during that time that Jesus stands up and takes off his robe wraps a towel around himself and he begins to wash their feet and they begin to think, something's up. Why would the king, the one who will reign over all of the earth, begin to wash our feet? And as Jesus began to speak to them, they begin to realize this isn't what we thought it was going to be. And fear began to overwhelm them. And Jesus begins to minister to them. It's when he says, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. You've got to believe me after he has washed their feet and expressed his love and after they have dined together and he has given them this, this picture of what is about to happen, he says to them, all right, now rise and let's go from here. And They, they begin the journey like through the, the streets of Jerusalem. Maybe they walked through the temple courts and, and, and out the the, the, the gate of sheep, and they begin their journey down the kindred valley. As they go down the kindred valley, the, the temple is 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 in their is over their shoulder, and and they can see the temple. That's that that that's kind of important because draped in the temple everywhere were were grapevines, because for for thousands of years grapevines have been a symbol of Judaism. And they could, they could see that and they, they make their way up the kindred valley and they begin to enter into a, a vineyard. Jesus speaks these words to them in John chapter 15 and verse 1. I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse 5, Jesus continues, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In, in, in verse 8, he says, he says, by this, by what? By, by bearing fruit... My Father is glorified. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. He says, I am the true vine. I think that's significant. He's saying that what I want to accomplish in your life, what I want to do through you, it doesn't come out of religion. I am the true vine. Come to me. Rest in me. Know of me. A key to growth for us, a key to experiencing the power that's available to us, the key to being conformed to the the key to bearing fruit, is that we understand who we are that God is is the gardener, that Jesus is the power, the fruit producer, and that we bear fruit. And sometimes we we think we have to bear fruit. We, We think we have to produce fruit. We try hard to produce fruit. And we have to understand that that's not our responsibility. But that He produces fruit and we bear the fruit we are branches we try to be the vine sometimes don't we when we try so hard discipline ourselves to produce fruit it's not our responsibility in this passage of scripture that we just read we we can kind of see four baskets fruit baskets one has no fruit one has some fruit. One has more fruit. One has much fruit. This bearing fruit is a key to our experiencing God. And so, and so God involves himself in our life to take us from a place of no fruit to fruit, from fruit to more fruit, from more fruit to much fruit. Because he loves us. Because bearing fruit brings Him glory. Because bringing Him glory is our purpose. Because fulfilling our purpose gives us a life of significance. A life of satisfaction. He chooses to use us. Regardless of where we're at, and regardless of which of those baskets is characteristic of our life, He involves Himself. He's constantly tending the vineyard. He's constantly doing things in our lives to bring us to a place where there's either fruit or, or there's more fruit or there's much fruit. How does he involve himself when we're bearing no fruit? Would you characterize your life that way? There's, there's really no fruit. Well, I want you to know this morning, and here's where you've got to understand how much God loves you that one of the things that He employs to bring us to a place of fruit-bearing is discipline in our lives. Discipline is, is what happens when our loving Father steps in to lift us away from our destructive and unfruitful pursuits. It's so interesting here in John chapter 15, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. Takes away. I don't know how you would interpret that, but, 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 but there's something about that that's scary to me. I, I see God walking toward me with, with shears and, and He's ready to cut me off. But that's not what it means at all. That word takes away comes from a Greek word, Airo, A-I-R-O. Those of you who love the Greek lexicon, look this word up. There are definitions for this word. It means to to lift up. It means to raise up. And the disciples, when Jesus said this, knew exactly what he was talking about because they were familiar with vineyards. That oftentimes the gardener, the, 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 the one in charge of the vineyard, would go and he would see branches that were not bearing fruit. And most often it was because these branches which were low to the ground, the vineyards were only about 36 to 48 inches high. They would begin to to droop and they would begin to find themselves in the dust of the vineyard and if it had rained the mud of the vineyard and this is a picture of God coming and lifting us up and and dusting us off and and preparing us for fruit bearing when he talks about those who are bearing no fruit he talks about God involving himself in our lives through discipline in such a way that it lifts us up it reminds me of of what God said in Isaiah, I think it's chapter 40, when he says, do not be afraid. I am your God. I will be with you. I will lift you up with my strong, righteous hand. A lot of us find ourselves this morning experiencing God's discipline. It's his loving involvement in our lives the reason that we find ourselves bearing no fruit is because of these destructive kind of behaviors that we find ourselves in, these unfruitful pursuits that we find ourselves in. Let's call it what it is. It's sin. God hates sin. He hates it because of the effect that it has on your life. He hates it because of the price that was paid to take it away from you. And so he involves himself in our lives as a loving father. I hate to even draw an analogy between a father who disciplines his son and God who disciplines his children. Because the difference is is that God's love is a perfect love which makes his discipline a perfect discipline. Never does he discipline out of anger. Never does he discipline as a payment for your sin. He never disciplines too much. He never disciplines too little. He's perfect. And His discipline in our lives is exactly what we need at this moment to bring us to a place of bearing fruit. I look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. And it talks a little bit about a loving father where it says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Don't be weary when reproved by Him. The Lord disciplines the ones that He loves. He chastises every son whom He receives. God is treating you, it says, as sons. And what son is there whom his father does not discipline? you're left without dis- discipline, then you're not really children, it says in Hebrews chapter 12. I see in that scripture in Hebrews chapter 12 some ways that God intervie- inter- intervenes in our lives. I, I, I see a light kind of discipline. It, it, he, he calls it a rebuke. It's a, it's a verbal warning. It's that sense of conviction that we have. Maybe that timely message that we hear. Maybe it's a word from a friend. Maybe it's something that we've read in his word, and, and there's this sense of conviction, this sense that there's an area of our life that God wants to change. You know, for me as a little kid, it was dad's look. That was his rebuke, you know. I mean, he could give you that look that you knew he wasn't pleased. But just like as God gives us that rebuke, that that maybe that sense of conviction, that awareness that there's something in our lives, we have a choice as whether or not we're going to respond to that. Just like I as a kid, I would have a choice as to whether or not to respond to dad's look, to dad's rebuke, to that that I know he's unpleased kind of look. When we don't respond appropriately to that rebuke, I know that God takes it to a whole nother level. Hebrews calls it chastening. In our, in our spiritual walk, in our experience, it's that, that time of anxiety, that time of frustration. Maybe some of you can relate to this. Maybe you're there right now. It's that time of distress, that sense of unfulfillment. It's a time when going to church is hard. It's a time when prayers don't seem to get above the ceiling. It's a, it's a time when, when we feel alone and, and we don't feel spiritual. Reading the Bible, it's, a, it's an impossible thing. That's God indicating to you that there's, there's something going on in your life and he wants to involve himself there. We choose to respond to that or we don't. And I want you to know this morning that, that when we don't, he takes it to another level. There's a level of discipline that the Bible calls scourging. It's real pain. It comes in the form of maybe it's financial distress. Maybe it's relational distress. Maybe it's, it's physical in nature. This is, this is a God who's in control, who oversees, who loves, who desires that you experience His best in your life. And sometimes He takes it to a level where it's this intense kind of discipline in our lives. 1 Corinthians 11.30 says this, this is why some of you are weak and some of you are sick and some of you have even died, it says. Why would we not respond? Why would we we not respond to the rebuke? Why would we not respond to the chastening? Why would we not respond to the scourging? We, we, we We are... looking at that experience through the lens of deception the old enemies whispering in our ear telling us things that aren't true we think maybe to ourselves this is really not a big deal big deal it couldn't be that god cares about this little thing in my life sometimes we say you know what i just enjoy this too much to quit i enjoy my sin, too much to quit. Maybe we've said, there's no power in my life. I, I am absolutely convinced I can't quit doing this. This is, this is that habitual sin that keeps us from bearing fruit, which is our purpose, which brings us significance and satisfaction. Sometimes we think to ourselves, my sin's not going to diminish my effectiveness. I can, I can lead a life group with this sin. I can be a deacon with this sin. I can be an elder with this sin. I can be a pastor with this sin. It's a lie. We're convinced maybe that the problem isn't sin. That's a lie. One of the things that I do is is I I become impatient or I look where I shouldn't look or different things. I respond to that by going, well, you know, that's just who I am. That's just what I do. I procrastinate. That's just who I am. That's just what I do. Jesus says to me, that's a lie. That's not who you are. You're a child of the king. You have been forgiven. You were clean. You have been cleansed. Responding appropriately to God's discipline in our lives. It's called repentance. It's an important part of our spiritual journey and getting to where God wants us to be. It's turning away. It's it's not a one-time act. It's It's a lifestyle that we have. There's no fruit. If there's no fruit, that's this basket. There's no fruit. There's discipline in our lives because God loves you. How would God treat somebody who's bearing fruit? Maybe some fruit. Maybe more fruit. How does he involve himself in a loving way? It's called pruning. He talks about in 15, he talks about he takes away, he lifts up, he builds up, and every branch that does not uh, uh, bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Every branch that's bearing fruit, he prunes so that it might bear more fruit. Man, you begin to get the understanding that bearing fruit is really, really important to God. Because He loves us. Because He knows that's our best life. That that's our greatest experience. That's His best for us. So what is pruning? Pruning literally means to to thin or to reduce, to cut off. It's, It's cutting away those things in our life that's preventing us from bearing more fruit. Someone who who has responsibility for a vineyard, would tell you that pruning is unavoidably necessary for fruit to be produced. They would tell you that pruning hurts. It's not about taking away as much as as it's about making more room for fruit. Discipline is about sin. Pruning is about self. It's about priorities. It's about our busyness. It's about activities. It's about values. It's about personal identity. Are you a human being having a spiritual experience? Or are you a spiritual being having a human experience? Are you a businessman that's a Christian? Or are you a Christian that's a businessman? Are you a school teacher that's a Christian or a Christian that's a school teacher? Are you a mom that's a Christian? Or a Christian that's a mom? We could go on and on. We could talk about different types of pruning and examples of that in our lives, but folks, it all comes down to this. God loves you. He knows what is best for you. What is best for you is to be a bearer of fruit. What that looks like we see in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. It's the inward fruit inside of us. It's God's design for us. It's God's intent for us. This is the fruit of the Spirit who indwells us. It's love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness. That is is what Jesus, listen, that's what Jesus wants to produce in us. We don't have to discipline ourselves to love. We don't have to discipline ourselves to be kind. We don't have to discipline ourselves to do good. He wants to do that in us. He involves Himself in our lives to bring us from a place of no fruit to fruit, from fruit to more fruit, from more fruit to much fruit. Abiding is what much fruit is all about. We'll we'll talk about that next week. This inward fruit, love and joy and peace and goodness and patience, kindness, these things, they can't stay within us. There's a natural outpouring of this fruit. When I, I talk about making yourselves available for God to use you. You understand, don't you, that we don't orchestrate opportunities. He orchestrates opportunities for us to bear fruit. He orchestrates opportunities for us to love, for us to care. He orchestrates opportunities for us to forgive. He orchestrates opportunities for us to be His hands and His feet. When we're available, He uses us that way. And we produce fruit. You were created anew. You're a new creation. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian this morning, you're a new creation and you were created to bear fruit. It's important. When you don't, God involves Himself in your life to bring you to a place of fruit bearing. It's important that you understand this this morning because I know this room is filled with people who are going through a difficult time. And I want you to know that every pain, every trial, every frustration, every hurt, every disappointment, every difficulty, I could go on and on, whatever it is, God is aware and He is in control of it. Some of the pain that we experience in our lives from our own doing, consequences of bad choices, sin, things that we've done in our life. He's still aware. He's still in control of it. Some of the things that we face in our lives are from nothing that we've done. God has allowed this in our life. In some cases, he's orchestrated that in our lives because he loves us. (laughs) Because he loves us. He knows that bearing fruit is your best life now. So he goes about to bring you to a place of fruit-bearing. Why? It's his plan for you. It's his purpose in your life. More fruit, greater satisfaction, greater significance. God always has eternity in mind. You're a branch, and he calls you to bear fruit. We'll talk more about this next week, but I can't leave you without looking at verse 11, that simply says this, Jesus looks in the disciples' face. God looks at you today, and he says, these things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. Now folks, listen, that's the truth. We've got to hash this out together. We can't just leave it at that. We've got to to experience the reality of God's involvement in our lives this way together. It's why I encourage you to be a part of a group these next four weeks especially. You can can be a part of a group if you're not. We'll have somebody in the back that will help you do that. But I want to ask you, look, you can't learn this until you've experienced it, until you've, until you've really fleshed it out with other people. And so I, I want to ask you to do something for me. Plan to be at your group whenever that is, this afternoon, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Pray before you go. God, I know that you're involved in my life this way. I'm beginning to understand it's because you love me. And as I go to my group tonight, give me a freedom to be able to express what I'm really feeling. Give me a, a freedom to express some of the discipline or some of the pruning that's going on in my life. Give me a freedom to express how that's being interpreted in my life, how I'm interpreting that. Am I, do I interpret that from Satan's liar, from God's truth. Allow me to share that. Lord, give me a freedom to respond to others, to tell of my own experiences, to tell what I've learned because maybe I've gone through something that somebody is sharing. Apply God's Word, God's truth, to your experience. Go to God's Word. Read this passage of Scripture again. This is a difficult time in my life. What is God doing? Is this discipline? Is this pruning? What does He want me to learn? Instead of going, why God? Why God? Maybe you'll begin to ask the question, what is God trying to teach me? How is God trying to change me? Maybe other members of the group can help you with that. Maybe they've experienced something similar in their lives. This was was how how I responded, this is how God responded, this is what happened, this is how He used me, this is how it it increased the amount of fruit that I was bearing. I hope you'll do that. It's an important part of this journey that we're on to much fruit. Here's one other thing I would ask of you before I close. If you are a parent here this morning and you have a kindergartner through fifth grade, They're learning this morning about the Holy Spirit. And when you go to pick them up from the nursery, you're going to be handed a sheet that looks something just like this. We're asking you to take this sheet home and find some time this coming week where you would sit down with your child and ask them what they learned. And ask them what their experiences were. The the passages of Scripture that are used this morning in the children's ministry, they're listed right here. Some of the questions that you can ask your children, they're listed right here. It'll be an incredible learning experience for them. It'll be an incredible learning experience for you as well. There is a power within us. It's unlike anything that we could imagine. Imagine. God wants us to experience that power to the fullest. This is where it begins. Understanding his love for us and his involvement in our lives. I want to invite you to stand. Everybody standing. Oh God that you would do a work in us. Oh God that we might experience the reality of your love and involvement in our lives. Oh God, that we might respond correctly to your love and involvement in our lives. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, I pray that not one of us might understand your discipline as punishment. This morning we acknowledge and recognize that you punished your son for our sin. Our punishment has been satisfied. It's been made. This is your loving involvement to make us the people that you want us to be so that we can bring your name glory and experience significance and satisfaction in our lives. We all desire that, God. You have given us a blueprint for how we might begin to experience that, and I pray, Lord, that we would respond correctly to your call on our lives. Lord, I pray for every individual in this room who is not one of your children, who's, who's not a believer, who's not a Christian, and I pray that you would draw them to yourself. I pray, Lord, that they would not leave here without giving themselves wholly and fully to you by faith in Jesus. I pray that they might come and speak with me, that they might come and speak with Pastor Jim or one of our other leaders, that they would not leave this place. They're not here by accident or chance. You've brought them here. You draw them to yourself. You present to them truth. Lord, I pray they respond to your invitation of forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. Oh, God, please. Thank you for what you're doing in the lives of your people. Thank you for your love. Lord, now as we meditate on what you've taught us, as we give ourselves to you, as we make commitments to you, I pray, Lord that you would minister to us exactly the way we need to be ministered. I ask you that in your name. Amen.